When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I am Ben Bolin. Ben, today we have another, I guess we'll call a question of the day. That's what we call it around here at How yeah. Stuff Works, right? Yeah. And uh, it comes from an article that was written by Marshall Brain, our founder, mm-hmm. from a long, long time ago, way, way, way back in 2008. Wow. I know, like six years ago at this point. Um, this is a, uh, a question that, I don't know, maybe you kind of pondered this a little bit. Maybe you haven't. Okay. Um, it seems to be the only one online with this title. Which is kind of interesting. I, I figured no one else has really covered it since then. So let's let's talk about Marshall's article. Yeah. The title is, What if I put a one-horsepower engine into my car? Oh, uh, yeah. And we have been recently talking a lot about what manufacturers have been doing to um, improve their fuel economy. Mm-hmm. Right? We've talked about um, you know aerodynamics, and we talked about uh, replacing the exterior mirrors with, with, um, with cameras. We've talked about uh, low rolling resistance tires. We've sure. talked about smaller engines, but never quite this small. Yeah, and this is so small that it could be on the level of a thought experiment. Yeah. Uh, so what we what we'll do right now is um, we'll talk about this idea of of a horsepower thing. But first, uh, Scott, before we get to what horsepower is and what a one horsepower engine would mean. Um, there's there's a segment of the article that you thought we should really get to uh, and read for the audience. Yeah, right? I think it just is it's a nice lead into this whole conversation. And this will give you kind of the idea of what we're thinking about here. And it comes right from the article. And I'll just it's very short. I'll just read it quickly. A typical car in America has something around a 120 horsepower engine. A big SUV might have, you know, a 200 horsepower engine. And you know what, Ben? Since 2008, we're seeing these numbers go up, up, up. up so, up, up. so these are from 2008. Um, and a tiny car might only have something like a 70 horsepower engine. Now, moped, on the other hand, has something like, you know, a one or two or three horsepower engine, and it gets great gas mileage, you know, like 70 or 80 miles per per gallon, or even more. A lot of times we're seeing them, you know, closer to 100, really. Yeah. Um, so why not put a little engine in a car and give it a mileage boost? So the the idea is that. You back it down as far as you possibly can, which is what manufacturers are really doing now. Right. That's but, true. But the idea that Marshall had here and, and the question was, why don't you why don't you back it all the way down? Go all the way down to one horsepower. So we're talking like a single cylinder, one horsepower engine in a in a vehicle, something mm-hmm. that would have to be, 
you know, designed a little differently, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, but would this work? Would it, is it possible? And that's kind of the thing that we, we, or the point that we get to here is that it would be such a dramatic restyling of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing I want to point out, Ben, yeah. think all the way back to when we talked about, um, Remember the buckboard cars we talked about? Yeah, I do. The, uh, yeah. the, the cars like the Smith Flyer. If mm-hmm. you haven't ever seen a Smith Flyer, take a look online. Just keyword search. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, Smith Flyer buckboard car. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a photo that is is an actual car that was sold in the at the turn of the century, turn of the 19th century. I'm sorry, the 20th century, and it was a uh, a car that had something like that had a two horsepower engine. Yeah, that was a Briggs and Stratton engine, and that was probably way way underpowered. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it was a fast car by any means, but no. that had that had two horsepower, and you'll see what it's like. It's almost like a toboggan with wheels <laughs> and a steering wheel and two seats. That's a good comparison. Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like. It's a flat, a flat board car. It's really, it's it's amazing to think that that was two horsepower, and then you know, like my lawnmower now, Ben. Yeah, that is four horsepower, and that's just a push mower. Your lawnmower is a beast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And a, and a, you know, I had a garden tractor that had like a sixteen horsepower engine, which mm-hmm. was really. Not anything great. I mean, that's enough to get around the yard and pull a stump out if I needed to, maybe. Okay. I think I see where you're going with this, Scott. It's uh, how do we make this horsepower measurement understandable? Earlier, you and I did an episode on horsepower versus torque, right? I remember that one. And we tread, we were treading lightly there because we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot, right? Um, but we, we think there's a, a really great opportunity for anybody who wants to learn more to check out that previous episode if you haven't yet. Just a bit of background. Horsepower, uh, was a term invented by an engineer named James Watt. Uh, and this is a deep cut because Watt lived from 1736 to 1819. Uh, he's, his primary claim to fame is improving steam engines. Uh, he's also the reason that he came up with a lot of measurements, not just horsepower. Like he's the reason we measure light bulbs in wattage, James Watt. Um, so he, anyway, he started uh, sort of an arbitrary measurement, right? Uh, today we equivalent, we, uh, think one horsepower is equivalent to 33,000 foot pounds from per minute, which sounds like a lot. But now our question is, would that work in a car? Yeah. Now picture this. Now you, you, I've got a, uh, a small compact hatchback. Okay. I mean, a, a Civic SI. Yeah. And it's from 2005. It's not overly powerful or anything like that, but it is an SI. It's got a little more horsepower. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know the amount, maybe like 160 or something like that, or even less. Okay. Um, so that's, that's quite a bit, really, when you think about it. I mean, for the size of the vehicle and everything. But if you back that down to one horsepower, would it really work? I mean, we're talking about taking away 162 you know, horsepower away. I don't yeah. think that's going to work, and and the reason is because it's such a big vehicle. It's not it's not designed to work with a one horsepower engine. Right. Now, if you did design a car to work with a one horsepower engine, you're going to have to design it almost like um you know those eco fueler type vehicles or yeah. eco challenge vehicles that we right. see. Right. Yeah. Like when you see a uh, specialty racing challenges where they have a solar powered vehicle or mini car of yeah. some sort. Yeah, they have knife edge wheels that, that right. barely touch the ground. I mean and they're extreme they're rock hard wheels. Very narrow form factor exactly. and uh little rolling resistance. And these are all one seaters by the way. Yeah. I don't think you could make a two seater. No, I don't think so either. And they're they're extremely aerodynamic. But you know the point is that you know the car is the way it's designed. You couldn't just drop it into an existing vehicle and expect it to work. Right. And one thing people don't consider also is that even if 
the weight were not the primary problem, which it is, the auxiliary systems place a demand on the engine that a one horsepower just couldn't handle. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like the headlights, the sure. radio. AC. AC is a big one. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm glad you mentioned AC because that, that drags quite a bit. And you can test the site yourself. A lot of cars, I mean, older cars, even like my car, um, you're driving down the road and you hit the AC button mm-hmm. and you can feel a, a drop in power. I mean, you can feel it, it slow, like it's yeah. weighing, it's weighing on the engine. You can the tell it drops just a bit. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, something like a one horsepower engine, it, it couldn't maintain a speed even because it, it takes something like 10 to 10 to 20 horsepower simply to maintain speed at, at, uh, at like, 60, yeah, right? 60 miles per hour. And that's with, uh, you know, wind resistance and mm-hmm. rolling resistance because rolling resistance is big in, in every vehicle, really. And that, that all depends on the surface of the road and the pressure in the tires and the, the compound of the tires and all of this information that, that comes together to, uh, to tell us that, yeah, it takes about 10 to 20 horsepower to just simply maintain speed. And, you know, I'm going to have some numbers for you in just a minute that, yeah. are, that are dramatically different. But um, also, you know, it, it couldn't um, – You couldn't be accelerate, able to, it, right? It couldn't accelerate. Yeah, you couldn't pull out into the traffic. I mean, think about it. If you had a one-horsepower engine on, in a car, yeah. in your car right now, you would step on the gas and, and absolutely nothing would happen. You'd hear the engine rev up and it would be <laughs> straining to go, but it wouldn't roll it. Now, I was trying to think of how, the, how I could – you know, convey this a little better, but have you ever tried to push a car, even on a, even on a flat surface, just push a car that is completely stalled, but it's in neutral? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's very hard, isn't it? It's, it's weighty. It's, it is. I mean, even a small car is, is difficult to roll sometimes. A yeah. bigger car, of course, it gets harder and harder, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a one horsepower engine, just imagine how futile that would be in order to, you know, pushing the gas, trying to get that thing to, to even begin rolling in a car. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to have some type of system set up where, you know, something would get you going. And then you'd be able to maintain speed at a lower with a, a smaller engine. So maybe. it'd be more like an engine assist, I kind guess, of thing, or yeah. a hybrid vehicle of some sort. That kind of gets to the hybrid thing, and that yeah. oh, you know what? What? I'm glad you said hybrid because um, you just sparked a memory. And you know what? Let's make that our our last thing that we talk about. Okay, maybe. okay. All right, there's, we some, our last there's something thing. interesting with hybrids that I want to talk about, but um, I, I do have a, a a better example maybe. Um, well, you know what? One one more quick thing. We, yeah. we talked about being able to pull out into traffic and and being oh, able yeah. to. Oh yeah. What if you're at a red light, even, for instance? Oh yeah, exactly. You, you couldn't go. I mean, what about passing? You couldn't pass no, anybody. No. I mean, because you're not going to gain speed rapidly on anybody if if you do eventually get rolling. Um, also, hills. There's no way you could start on a hill. Yeah. Um, maybe even climbing a hill would be impossible because you would just continually lose speed until you're eventually stop and then. Maybe even roll backwards. I mean, you couldn't, um, you couldn't carry anything because any of the weight, uh, any of the weight that you would accrue from that would be difficult. Uh, let's see, another, another huge disadvantage. I can't remember if we talked about it. Um, one thing that high horsepower translates directly to is acceleration. Yeah. And so if you have a one horsepower vehicle, that means you have cartoonishly bad acceleration. So, you, you, there's no way you could get on a highway because literally you don't have enough time on the merge ramp to get to 60 miles. It'll no. take you several minutes, it's right? Several minutes, and that's if you can get it rolling and if you can get it up to that speed. It all depends on, oh, on if the, it's not windy. It all depends <laughs> on the shape of the vehicle, and again, yeah. the tires and all of that, the the road surface, everything has to has to play into this to make it work. So it's just really just something that's just not possible. I mm-hmm. mean, it it really does require. I mean, for the average car. Yeah. You're talking about maybe at minimum, you're talking about like maybe 60 to 70 horsepower is what you need in order to to keep these things going. And that's with everything that we have to have, you know, the ABS systems right? and the airbags and, 
you know, the, uh, um, uh, I don't know, all the different systems you have to have in place, like the, the roll cage that's built in with, within the structure and the, uh, um, all the crumple zones and everything, you know, the size of the vehicle that we have to have now as far as federal mandates go. And, mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much, and, it's not just the United States. It's also standard elsewhere as, yeah, as well. Yeah. Even outside, well, even outside of the United States, because, you know, we've talked, uh, for a time about how there are, um, there are legal requirements in the U.S. and a lot of Western countries that necessitate certain weight classes. But even in places where those sorts of regulations don't exist, like in India, the Tata Nano, the world's cheapest new car, uh, also doesn't have a one horsepower engine. And they would make it that way if they thought they could get away with it or lower the price. Well, they absolutely would. They have a very small engine. I don't, off the, off the, uh, the cuff here, I don't have the it's numbers. It's not one horsepower though. It's not one horsepower. <laughs> it's significantly more. Yeah. I mean, that's for a, a bare bones, you know, no frills vehicle. That's that would be illegal in the U.S. Illegal in the U.S. That's right. And you know what? This is reminding me, Ben, a little bit of when we talked about, um, hypercars. Remember a long, long yeah, time ago, yeah, and that was kind of uh, the kick, you know, that we were on was hypercar kick, you know, yeah, because it was hyper miling lifestyle. It's such a cool thing, you know, not not so much the hyper miling, but the hyper cars, you know, okay. that they were super light and they would get like yeah. two hundred miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. And the idea was you could create these fantastically designed vehicles that were safe, that were lightweight, but they just wouldn't pass federal regulations. They wouldn't be allowed on on regular roads, right? Yeah, and and there was places that were that were building them. I think it was the Rocky Mountain Institute was mm-hmm. building them. Mm-hmm. Um, Good memory. Lovins, I think, was the guy's name. Uh, I, I, I can't remember. I'm blanking yeah, on his name. I, I think that was his name. The, the uh, professor that was working on these things. We've got was, the uh, episode, though, and there's some fantastic science in and there. And he actually built a couple of these things as yeah. far as, as for test vehicles that actually worked. And, you know, one, one more thing. Ben. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, I want to talk about some dramatically different numbers here, okay. too. But um, I was just thinking that, you know, who would be a big fan of something like this? Now, I, I know that speed was more his thing. Okay. Colin Chapman, the founder of Lotus. Would, would love. Oh, yeah. Lightweight small cars because that's, oh, that, yeah, was his, would. that was his whole game. I mean, yeah. remember uh, through Formula One yeah. and cars that we see now from Lotus are extremely lightweight. Trim the weight up the they, power. They have, they have, uh, well, they have a lot of horsepower, but I mean, they get by with less horsepower because they're so well designed. They're so, mm. they're so efficient in their design. It's like frozen water and still, cars. and still legal. That's yeah, the thing. Still they're, street legal. they're still street legal. So, that's the amazing part. But if you read about Colin Chapman and, and, and some of his ideas now, I know that he wouldn't be for a one horsepower car, of course, mm-hmm. but you make a lightweight car with, you know, uh, you know, um, an engine that is, uh, strong enough to really get it going fast and make it fun. Yeah. Then he's, uh, he's on board, I'm sure. Or he uh, would, he would have been on board, I should say. You know what? I, I know that I've been dropping different podcast episodes that we've done throughout this thing but the colin chapman story is amazing and i'd really like people to listen to that if you're if you're just driving and you're in traffic or you're going to be on the road for a while just treat treat some of our historical stories kind of like audiobooks because god knows that preston tucker one is long enough to be an audiobook it it probably is but you know what i i agree with you completely because the colin chapman story and the lotus story yeah, they're they're pretty fascinating. We dug up a lot of good information about mm-hmm. him, and it's just he was a fascinating character. And uh, and I, you know, I I'd like to go back and listen to that one myself now that I think about it. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. 
it's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And speaking of good stories, this is why I bring this up to you. Uh, Scott, just before we went on air, I told you that I am doing something I don't usually do, which is taking a vacation. Probably the first one in several years for me. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, otherwise I just, uh, it's kind of a joke around here at the office that toward the end of the year, I start using my vacation by the hours because I'm so cheap that I want to take the vacation time. So I, I don't want to lose it. So I'll take like a one or two hour finger quote vacation. Yeah, which you, uh, what, just go down to your car and take a nap? I've done that before. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever it takes, I guess. I yeah, mean, you, thanks. You, you don't use it, you lose it, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my girlfriend put her foot down, and we're going to take a vacation. We're going to go um, and uh, some place off the coast or off the Gulf. And while we're going down there, I realized that one of the things I'm most excited about is the drive. I love a good drive, you know, and sometimes I'll just hop in my car and drive for a few hours anyway. Mm-hmm. But now we're we're going to be driving. I think the the trip time will be pretty significant, but gives me a chance to ask you for some advice. Scott, the radio is not going to cut it. You got any audio books for me? I do. I have a fantastic audio book for you. It comes from audible.com and it's called The Car Thief. And it's written by Theodore Wiesner and uh, it's about 12 hours and 33 minutes long. And this book, I mean, it's Carl the Car Thief. It's, it's, it's an older novel, actually. It was published in 1972. So that was 42 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, recently brought to the audio, into audio form, I guess. Uh, and the narrative itself, the story itself is set in 1959. And just to give you the quick summary of this whole thing. Um, it's a, it's about 16 year old Alex Hausman who has just stolen his 14th car. And frankly, he doesn't know why he did it. Um, <laughs> Now he's, uh, he's got parents that are divorced, working class, his working class father 
who grinds out the night shift at the local Chevy plant in Detroit and looks forward to the flask in his glove compartment and the open bottles of booze in his Flint, Michigan home. Mm -hmm. So you can tell right away that this is going to be kind of a, I don't know, maybe a bleak story. Sure. Gritty. Yeah, a little more gritty, I guess. Um, so, so it says, broke and fighting to survive, Alex and his father face the realities of estrangement, incarceration, and even violence in their lives. Um, as, as their lives unfold towards a climactic episode that, episode that the New York Times reviewer called one of the most profoundly powerful in American fiction. Now, this is a, uh, wow. this is a book that's been around a long, long time. Okay. And I started to kind of dig into this one. I haven't ever read The Car Thief, but I looked into it and the people that reviewed it said this is such a, a poignant and well-written book that they feel that it should be taught at every high school across, the, across the world, really. I mean, that this is such a, a good, like, coming of age story. Um, it has, you know, this, the, the angle of like the teenage angst and the main character is, uh, you know, the classic anti-hero in this whole sure, thing. Rebel without a it's, cause. It's kind of a meandering story, but it's, uh-huh. it, if you think back to high school and you think about some of the real classic novels that you read, like sure. the ones that, that everybody read and, and everybody has a pretty good grasp on. Uh huh. This, this is one that a lot of people say this should be taught in, in, in high schools. Okay. Um, well, I am sold. Yeah, I am too. I think this is one to, I uh, want to check out. And if you are listening to this and you think, Hey, I'd like to, uh, check out the car thief. I don't want to read the book. I'd rather listen to it. Uh, but I don't want to pay for a audiobook. We have good news for you. You can go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash car stuff and get a free audiobook download of your choice just because you hang out with us. Uh, on the air, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, Scott and Ben, you're good people. Have a free book. Uh, it doesn't have to be The Car Thief. It can be one of, what, hundreds of thousands? Yeah, literally hundreds of thousands of titles. Mm-hmm. And that's everything from true crime, which I know is one of your favorite genres, Scott, mm-hmm. uh, to sci-fi, fantasy, nonfiction, how-to, self-help, and more. Check it out. Let us know what you think and tell them Scott and Ben sent you. That's it. Yeah, and this is a, uh, I mean, again... It's an, it's an American classic. It's like this is a great father-son tale. I think a lot of people would really, really like this. So, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of the uh, the blue-collar thing in there, mm-hmm. and you mentioned gritty kind of uh, uh, meandering story, but but definitely one worth checking out. So, so check it out. And uh, now it's time to check out a little bit more about the one-horsepower car idea. Yeah, but you know what? I want to go somewhere completely different now that we've, yeah. uh, now that we've gotten past the break here. How about that? Yeah. All right. So I told you I was going to tell you about some completely different numbers, and um, I have two dramatically different examples to share with you. The first one I'm going to share with you, believe it or not, Ben, comes from our Bugatti Veyron podcast. Now, Whoa. again, another podcast that we have mm-hmm. in our past because we're getting to the point where we've covered a lot of stuff. Arguably, this is one of the uh, fastest cars in the world. Uh, it is. Yes, that's right. In fact, well, up until, uh, oh, you know what? Up until February of this year, which yep. I, I just read about the Venom GT. So uh-huh. uh, that just topped <laughs> the Veyron. But anyways, the uh, the Bugatti Veyron, uh, the lesson in horsepower that we learned from the Bugatti Veyron was this, that, and it was through the top gear test that, you know, when they mm-hmm. drove at top speed on, on the track in Germany. Yeah, and it tops out at uh, 280 something. No, no, no. It's uh, I think it's 257 or something. 253. Okay. Is what it topped out at. At least at the time it did. Now okay. it may it may have bumped up by this point, but um, getting the Veyron to do 155 miles per hour isn't really all that hard, apparently. And this is kind of where we were going with, like you know, the smaller cars have more than enough horsepower. I mean, right. Even my car has like 163 horsepower, something like that, and it gets up there pretty good. Not Veyron speed, obviously, but here's no. but here's no. why. Now the Veyron getting it to do 155 isn't really all that difficult. It needs 270 horsepower to get up to 155 miles per hour. 
So two, it would do with 270 horsepower. And you know how slick that car is and you know yeah. what it looks like. Yep. It's, it's cutting through the air very, very efficiently. It's a, it's a very efficient package. Very little drag. Exactly. Yeah. Now to get up to its, its top speed, which is 253 miles per hour, or it was at the time. Mm-hmm. But, no, you're right. I was thinking of horsepower. Oh, that's okay. It gets up to, uh, 253, to get up to 253 miles per hour, it needs another 730 horsepower to do that. So that, that second 100 miles per hour is where you require wow. all of that horsepower. And the reason is because you're fighting what they call mother nature. I mean, obviously that's rolling resistance, that's mm-hmm. wind resistance, mm-hmm. and, and all of that just gets incrementally more difficult as you get faster and faster and faster. So the more you push, the more it pushes back. And mm. there's this give and take that happens all the way. And that's why it requires 1,001 horsepower in order for this thing to get up to 253 miles per hour. So, you know, to get up to a simple 155, which most of our cars on the road will do now. Yeah. I mean, most. I don't think all of them. Some are limited to like 130, somewhere around there. Uh, but it really doesn't require that much. 270, that's a little more than average, but not much more than average. So, uh, we're, are we, what, what would be the way to say this? Are we running into sort of a law of diminishing returns? I think we are because, you know, you're talking about a, a 16, a 16 cylinder engine with mm-hmm. four turbos. It creates a lot of heat, so this thing has ten radiators. Yeah, I mean, we're, and we're talking about the opposite end of the spectrum here. We're we're talking about a one horsepower car that's mm-hmm. going to create a lot of heat just because it's going to be struggling against <laughs> against all that weight. It's going to be putting forth a lot of effort and really getting no results. And there's going to be no no uh, cooling wind coming over that thing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be relying completely on on a, um, a liquid cooling system. Yeah, and then it, it, the, the one horsepower car thing is a complete myth. It just can't happen. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, not with orthodox technology. Now, uh, and it also depends clearly on uh, one's definition of a car. Okay. We've run into this before. I think when we did some micro car stuff and some three wheel car stuff, we both said, well, at what point? Yeah. Is it a three wheel motorcycle or is is it it a tadpole? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's why I went on a search for uh, the possibility of some one horsepower vehicles, some legit one horsepower cars. Really? Yep. What'd you find? Uh, not much, but I did find a very, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you, yeah. but I did find a very interesting article in the Wall Street Journal about a fellow named Rob Cotter. He's a, uh, once upon a time, he was a performance engineer and tuner with Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, and BMW. Uh, so he has a kind of a passion project. Now he is the founder and CEO of a company in North Carolina called Organic Transit, and they make a little something called the Elf. This is weird. I'm going to tell you what this is and then show you the picture, okay? Okay. Um, kind of a tadpole design. It's an ovoid, semi-enclosed, solar-chargeable, plug-in electric pedal car. An ovoid? Oh, looks, uh, it looks like an egg, right? Yeah. You okay. know those. Uh, it's got a one-horsepower electric motor one horsepower no 750 watt named after our buddy james watt it's in the rear wheel hub and it also has a lithium battery pack here's what i mean you remember I, okay um how sometimes when you go to a grocery store depending on which grocery store you go to uh there's some of those custom-made kid carts i do and they have like the little mini uh yellow and orange kid car thing sure, they look like a plastic nascar car mm-hmm. or something the kid drives as a, as a mom drives around and uh, her dad drives around and uh well, drives around, walks well, around and gets the groceries. Yeah, here's a little picture of the oh, elf. Oh, boy, that definitely looks like... Uh, it looks exactly like, like it. A, like a kid <laughs> shopping car. Uh, I don't know what to call that. What, what do you call those things? Uh, a cart car? Yeah, cart car. That's a good um, way to say So there you could be as a grown man. Uh, What's the name of that again so people can elf. look it up? The, it's the Elf by Organic Transit. I'm not going to be dismissive because I think it's a smart design. It's supposed to be for urban commuters who want to leave the car at home, but... Uh, don't want to have to deal with a a regular bicycle. Yeah, or rain. Yeah, so, yeah, it is semi-enclosed. So it's sort of between a bicycle and a car. It's legal, but it's legal for bike lanes. Oh, I see. Not for the street. So it must be very narrow. And Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like you're not going to be taking that thing out in uh, snow or or ice. No, no, no. The the wheels are closer to bike wheels Mm -hmm. than they would be to car wheels. Uh, It costs just under five grand. um, That's a bargain. That's a bargain. And uh, it only weighs, oh, it can carry 350 pounds. Uh, top speed is 20 miles per hour. Um, it's got a range of around 30 miles. So, again, is this more of a bike than it is a car? I would say yes. If it's only allowed to be used in bike lanes? Okay, I would say I, I said yes. Okay. It's, so it's a, a $5,000 bike. It has a one-horsepower engine, though. And look, man. 
I looked around to try to find a one horsepower engine that wasn't in, you know, a lawnmower from the 70s. I understand. Um, besides a go-kart or something like that, something that's actually being called a vehicle that you can, you could drive on the road, you could ride on the road, whatever. And there, uh, um, according to, uh, what people say, the, um, the response to these vehicles is pretty good. People, it's getting good reviews and like it. So if that's something that's right for you, go ahead and check it out. You know, you and I have done some extensive shows on, uh, this sort of mix of alternative vehicles coming out primarily for people dwelling in urban environments. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see what the rural environments have to offer Mm. in a future episode. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. I think they're more still stuck at the uh, pickup trucks and things, off-road vehicles, things like that. Right. Well, what, uh, well, that not really being stuck with it because those are great options, but yeah. uh, But you know what? I, I was digging around as well and I'm impressed that you found that one horsepower vehicle because I couldn't find a single thing that was considered a, a vehicle other than like a scooter or something like that that right. had one horsepower. Yeah. But um, I did find something that was the, something that we had talked about a long time ago, and I was just curious about this because, you know, we're talking about one horsepower being able to, to power just a, any vehicle that you drop a one horsepower engine into, right? Like, right. Let's say you have an old Geo Metro and you want to try this out as an experiment, <laughs> right? And I can see somebody actually trying it, but, you know, not getting anywhere with it. Well, I was thinking, what's an efficient car that has probably has a really small engine mm-hmm. that, you know, is, is sort of along this line. And, and the best I could think of, or actually not the best, but the one that, that came to mind immediately was that Volkswagen one liter car. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you and I both love that car. Ooh, I think it's really, really I think cool. it's super smart. And they actually have a production version of this for the people that don't know now. There's a Ooh. production version that's being sold right now in Europe, not coming to the United States. I don't know where else it's going, you know, if it'll make its way to Maybe the Asia market yeah, or something. Yeah, could be. Maybe. I'm not sure. It's very limited production, but it is currently on sale in Europe right now. It's called the XL1. And it's a diesel-powered plug-in hybrid. And that's the version they went with for the final production. And I believe it gets something like 138 miles per gallon is the uh, the equivalent mm-hmm. that this thing gets. Now, I said it's a plug-in hybrid. So, you know, it does use diesel power, a very small diesel-powered engine. And that's what I was interested in. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, the, uh, the, the size of this thing is a 0.8 liter, so zero, not even one liter, uh, direct injection, two-cylinder, turbocharged diesel engine, and which puts out, Ben, get this. 48 horsepower. Wow. And that tells you something because this is a uh, pretty bare bones car. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's two seater. It's very, very lightweight. I mean, it's very aerodynamic as well. I think the coefficient of drag is something like 0.19. Not bad it at weigh, all. It weighs 1,750 pounds, which that's a little heavy. I think the, the first Miatas were something about, about right. that yeah, range, yeah. you know, about 1,750. Not anymore, but they used to be. And uh, so this tiny, tiny diesel engine was about the closest I could come. And I was thinking, what's the horsepower in this? Why, you know, what what does it require in order to get out into traffic and to be able yeah. to operate and function? Yeah. 48 horsepower is what that engine puts out. Now, you got to combine that, though, with the electric motor assist because they went with the uh, the hybrid. And that puts out an additional 27 horsepower. Okay. So the, the combined is something like 75, although they, they claim that combined – it's less. It's not like one on top of the other. It's like not like 48 plus 27, which is 75. It's more like an overlap. Yeah, they call it 68 horsepower. Huh. So they say 68 horsepower is what this thing needs in order to operate and function and be able to drive and pass and, and you know, get up sure. hills and be able to, to merge with traffic and, you know, just to be out and to function like a car. Uh, so 48 horsepower or rather 68 horsepower is kind of the minimum mm-hmm. on something like this because they didn't want to go outlandishly fast with it or anything like that. It's just really about efficiency. And that's what we're talking about with the, with this article is efficiency. 
Now, the price for this is pretty expensive. In euros, it's 111,000 euros, which means wow. in U.S. dollars, oh, man. $153,000 is what you're going to pay for this vehicle. Not me. No, not me either. And um, But I do like it, and we talked about it, and we said if it ever came to the United States you know, as, as a – a feasible working vehicle, right. something that yeah. function. You and I would both be in line for one of these vehicles because they're they're pretty cool. And they used to have the tandem seating, and I don't think they do anymore. No, um, oh well. So they changed a few different things around from the from the original prototype. But um, we're looking at about you know again mid sixties horsepower for an extremely well designed, lightweight, efficient, smooth you know um, car to be able to just to be able to function in, yeah. in traffic. But they're they're fantastic vehicles. If they weren't 150 grand, I'd get one. Um, but we never. One thing that still makes me think about that episode we did it was we never pinned down exactly why they're not coming to the United States. I yeah. wonder. I wonder if it is a regulatory thing, but I'm not sure. I don't know. There are pretty strict standards in place in Europe, so exactly. I don't, I don't I, know I why. Think, okay. Well, maybe that's a mystery for another day. Scott, do we have anything else? No, I think we're now? good. I've, uh, okay. I think we've covered it. So one horsepower engine in my car? Nope, but maybe you might be able to uh, to get by in a buckboard car. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, let us know uh, what you think about one horsepower cars or the possibility. And uh, go ahead and give us a shout on Facebook or Twitter. You can also find us at our astonishing website, carstuffshow.com. And send us an email directly with uh, suggestions for future topics or a picture of your car if you put a one-horsepower engine I'd in love, it. I'd love to see that. Our email address is carstuffandiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.